Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can meet here together and uh, begin studying your word again, and uh, studying through the book of Genesis. I pray that you'd bless our time together, uh, that uh, you give us ears to hear, and uh, that we would understand your word, and uh, that we would know you more, and uh, be our heart's desire to uh, love and serve you, and that we would uh, know your son more and uh, love and serve him as well. And, uh, we thank you for these things. And we pray that they be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Okay, so uh, tonight we begin our study of Genesis again. And, uh, if you remember uh, last time, we finally finished uh, the first major section, uh, Genesis 1, 1 through 2, verse 3, uh, where we saw that uh, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the one true God, the creator of uh, all things, and that he made all things in six days for the blessing and flourishing of his creatures, and uh, ultimately for the blessing and flourishing of man uh, whom he set over his uh, creation as uh, really his stewards and vice regents so that they would uh, rule uh, on God's behalf. Uh, and for Israel, uh, they need to understand that God's purposes uh, can only be understood uh, properly by going all the way back to his purposes uh, in creation to uh, bless mankind uh, as his stewards and uh, his creatures and uh, all of it, creation and uh, his purposes there uh, have not changed. And now tonight uh, we'll be looking at the first uh, Toledo section, the, the first uh, generation section uh, beginning in uh, chapter 2 verse 4 uh, and here uh, we will be shifting from looking at uh, the, the, the very broad picture of creation in uh, the creation account. Uh, looking at all six days of creation uh, and in uh, Genesis beginning in 2 verse 4 that with the first Toledote, uh, we're going to become much more narrowly focused uh, beginning with uh, the sixth day. Uh, and so... Uh, looking at all of humanity, now narrowing down to the very first humans that were created uh, on the, the sixth day. Uh, and whereas uh, the, the sixth day in the creation account basically uh, gives kind of a 30,000 uh, foot altitude view, uh, like out, out of a plane uh, over creation and over humanity, basically telling us that God made, made the beasts, uh, he made man in his image after his likeness, made a male and female, uh, that he uh, blessed them and gave them dominion and uh, the vegetation. Uh, now uh, we'll be going into uh, much more detail about uh, how that all happened uh, on, on the sixth day with the very first uh, humans. And Genesis 2 through 4 uh, with the first Toledote uh, focuses on the first humans uh, inside and outside of the garden. Uh, and so the, the first 
two chapters, chapter two and three, will be inside the garden uh, in chapter four uh, after they are uh, sent out. And then just as a basic outline uh, of this Toledo, uh, chapters two through four, uh, we could divide it into uh, three major uh, sections. Uh, and so uh, the first section, chapter two, looks at God's creation of man and his provision for him uh, in the garden. And then chapter three uh, will focus on uh, their temptation, uh, the first sin, uh, and then God's judgment and also uh, mercy. Uh, and really, chapters two, uh, two and three uh, form a, a unit within, within the garden. Uh, and then uh, the third section uh, will be uh, Adam and Eve's offspring, uh, first offspring, uh, Cain and Abel, and Seth uh, in chapter four. And Seth is the chosen uh, in the chosen line, the, the chosen seed of the woman through whom uh, God is going to restore a blessing to his creation. Uh, and now uh, we're going to be focusing on chapter two uh, with God's creation of man uh, and provision for him uh, in the garden. Uh, and we can divide this into two sections. We'll be looking at the first tonight. Then we'll look at the second one next time. Uh, the first one is God's creation of the first man, uh, his charge to keep the garden, and his provision of every tree in the garden uh, except for one. Uh, and then the second part, uh, God's creation of the first man and his provision of woman to help him uh, in his charge uh, over the garden. Uh, and then Genesis 2 as a whole will set up the, the events uh, They're going to happen in uh, chapter 3 with uh, the fall. So uh, it'll introduce uh, the man, uh, the garden, uh, the tree of life, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, and God's command not to eat from it, uh, and the, the woman. Uh, and so then everything will be in place to, uh, to understand what will happen when the, the snake, uh, the serpent, comes on the scene uh, but uh, this evening we'll be focusing on uh, that, that first part, uh, God's creation of the first man, uh, his charge for him, and his provision of every tree uh, except for one. And then uh, as we're about to uh, read through uh, the first verses, uh, 4 through 17. First, Moses will give some uh, background information to help establish uh, the setting uh, so that we understand what follows. Uh, then there will be several uh, events uh, where he forms the man from the dust, uh, where he plants the garden and produces all the trees. Uh, and then he's going to give us a, a bit more uh, of the setting around Eden, the, the rivers and things like that. Uh, and that will... Um, delay things uh, for the last uh, final important events when uh, God finally places the man in the garden uh, and gives his, him his commands uh, and he gives them the provision of the trees and 
uh, prohibits him from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So let's just read uh, verses 4 through 17. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But a mist would go up from the land and would water the whole face of the ground. Uh, Now the Lord God formed the man of the dust uh, from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life uh, in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, Uh, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now I just paraphrased a few elements in the the ESV because there are uh, some translation parts that are just a little off. But uh, we'll be beginning with the first verses that establish the the background in the setting for the events uh, that are about to follow with uh, uh, the formation of man, the planting of the garden, and the production of the trees. So in verse 4, it reads, uh, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Uh, And so uh, this introduces uh, the second major section of Genesis uh, and the first, uh, the very first, Toledot uh, generations section uh, and uh, depicts the first human offspring or progeny of creation. Uh, Most of the Toledots, in fact, I think all of them uh, talk about these are the uh, Toledot of Adam. Uh, These are the Toledot of Noah. Uh, These are the Toledot of uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Terah, and Abraham, and uh, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, And so it's the Toledot of people, but here uh, they're uh, the Toledot uh, generations of the heavens and the earth. Uh, We're transitioning from the big picture of creation 
now to the first offspring and progeny, the first humans, what Kenneth Matthews calls uh, the first family. Uh, if you read this, uh, there's uh, at least parallelism and maybe a, a chiasm uh, in this uh, sentence. Uh, just read along. Uh, a, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. B, when they were created. B, in the day that the Lord God made. A, the earth and the heavens. Uh, and even the, the heavens and the earth in the first part, at the end, they're inverted. The earth and the, the heavens. Uh, and so uh, Matthew says uh, this may be because uh, now the, the focus is turning uh, from creation at, uh, as a whole and now earth comes first. Our attention is on the, the earth uh, and the, the, the first humans that, uh, that follow uh, from this. Uh, and also uh, this uh, toledot of the heavens and the earth uh, take place uh, when the heavens and the earth uh, were created uh, in the day that the Lord God made uh, the heavens and the earth. Uh, this is the same general time frame uh, of the six days of, of creation. Uh, and more specifically, uh, we're looking at the sixth day just in more detail now. Uh, and then uh, the name of God uh, changes uh, in chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, this is the first time he's called uh, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim. Uh, whenever you see Lord in all capital letters, uh, it means Yahweh. Uh, and so uh, in Hebrew, uh, Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh uh, God. Uh, and in uh, the creation account, uh, Elohim is used uh, exclusively. Uh, it exclusively refers to him as God uh, 35 times, uh, which was a multiple of seven, uh, if you remember. Uh, 35 times, uh, and that's probably because in the creation account, uh, what more appropriate a t title is there than God, uh, Elohim? He's the one true creator, a God. He's the God of uh, all creation and of all uh, the animals and of all uh, people. Uh, but here, uh, beginning in chapter 2 and in chapter 3, he's called almost exclusively Yahweh uh, Elohim, Yahweh God. Uh, except when the, the woman and the serpent uh, refer to him as just Elohim, uh, God, uh, when they... When they speak. Uh, in this exact phrase, uh, Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh God, uh, is actually a very rare uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, just used as a proper name that exact way. Uh, although similar expressions like uh, Yahweh our God, Yahweh your God, Yahweh the God of Israel, Yahweh the God of Isaac and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's extremely common. But just the exact phrase, Yahweh God, uh, is a very rare. Uh, and Matthews just explains uh, why this may be. Uh, he says, uh, Yahweh Elohim is transitional in function at chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, but the frequency of the unusual merger of names 
uh, 20 times in chapters 2 through 3 indicates there is a special place for the union of names uh, that the subject matter originally elicited. Uh, Elohim is appropriate for the majestic portrayal of God as creator of the universe since it properly indicates omnipotent deity, whereas Yahweh is the name commonly associated with the covenant relationship between deity and his people, Israel. He points to uh, Exodus uh, 15, uh, verse 7, and Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And then he says, uh, its combination with Elohim achieves an overlapping of these theological emphases. Uh, Yahweh, the Lord of his people, is in fact the all-wise and all-powerful Elohim creator. Hence, the antecedents of Israel's precious communion with its creator and covenant Lord had its inception in the garden when man first knew that full that fellowship. Uh, the personal presence of Yahweh Elohim among his people Israel was not an anomaly, but the pattern God inaugurated from the beginning. Uh, and so the name Yahweh was uh, the personal name, uh, how, how he referred to himself uh, to Moses uh, and to the uh, Israelites. Uh, and so here, that God, uh, their God, who entered into a covenant relationship with them, uh, who redeemed them and took them for his own people uh, so that they would dwell in his presence in the promised land. Uh, here, uh, we see that the, the creator God uh, is Yahweh uh, God, the, the very same God, uh, in that uh, his original purpose uh, for humanity was that they would uh, know him and uh, dwell in his uh, presence in the in the garden and in the earth. And now this brings us uh, to uh, the most immediate uh, information about the setting that that follows. That's uh, very important for understanding uh, what follows with the, the creation of the first man. And so, verse five. Uh, now no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground but a mist would go up from the land and would water the whole face of the ground And so this describes essentially uh, the state of things uh, on this plot of land uh, in the creation on the sixth day uh, before God made uh, the, the first man. Uh, and here we see that uh, like in the beginning of the creation account, uh, if you remember the, the first verses, uh, the creation was incomplete uh, after God first made the heavens and the earth. Uh, and it anticipated God's work over the subsequent six days. Uh, and so here, uh, the, the land uh, is incom incomplete and anticipates God's creation of uh, the, the first man to, uh, to work the ground. Uh, he's really uh, God's gardener. Uh, he's his steward, or, or Matthews calls him his, his farmer. I, I kind of like gardener. Uh, but 
in Genesis uh, 1 1 uh, and through verse 2, uh, it reads In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, or barren and empty. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, and there, uh, God uh, was going to uh, take away the barrenness and make it a uh, inhabitable, productive creation. Uh, and he was going to fill it with creatures and with the luminaries. Uh, and he was going to uh, bring light uh, into where there was only only darkness. And uh, here we see that uh, where there were no uh, plants of the field and bushes of the field, uh, further was uh, God hadn't caused it to rain, and uh, he hadn't made man yet. Uh, he's going to, to bring his steward to uh, care for the, uh, the garden. Uh, and now these bushes of the field and uh, plants of the field, uh, we have to compare them to day uh, four uh, and recognize that actually neither of these phrases uh, appeared on or day three, uh, with uh, the creation of uh, the, the vegetation uh, in the plants and the trees. Uh, these exact phrases don't show up. Uh, the word for bushes uh, is not used on day four uh, whatsoever. Uh, and plants uh, is used, but plants of the field uh, is not uh, used uh, because here what distinguishes them uh, is that these are cultivated plants and cultivated bushes uh, that need the, uh, the, the care uh, of uh, a worker, a gardener, uh, to produce them. Uh, and so just as, as proof of this, uh, that th this vegetation belongs to a cultivated field, uh, he says they are bushes and plants of the field uh, and explains, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man uh, to work the ground and this wasn't true of the, the vegetation on uh, day uh, day three and so these are uh, cultivated uh, plants uh, which uh, Adam is to work and to, uh, to eat from and harvest uh, and then also notice the reason why uh, there were no uh, bushes of the field and in, in plants of the field uh, gives two reasons for the Lord God, Yahweh God, had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And then he says, but a mist uh, would go up from the land and would water the whole face of the ground. Uh, and so he hadn't caused it to rain. Uh, and here, I, I just want to touch on this. I don't, I don't want to go into it because it's more of a, a side issue. I don't want to get too distracted. Uh, but this implies uh, almost certainly that there was rain before Noah's flood. Uh, some think that there wasn't uh, any rain whatsoever uh, until Noah's flood, which came maybe, uh, I don't know, within a couple thousand years uh, of the, the creation of, of man uh, or however long uh, it took. Uh, they think that there was no rain uh, whatsoever, uh, but... Uh, God intends for Adam to cultivate these plants uh, and to, uh, to eat them. Uh, and it implies that he gives forth rain uh, because the, the two necessary ingredients, it says, 
uh, and why they weren't there was for Yahweh God had not caused its rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Uh, and so he made the man, uh, but the rain was also necessary. Uh, and as uh, Matthew says, uh, apparently the, the mist, uh, or we'll talk about maybe a spring, uh, wasn't, wasn't su- sufficient for these uh, cultivated plants. Uh, and so uh, Moses' point uh, is to explain why uh, the cultivated plants weren't there yet. Uh, he's not uh, discussing the flood, but we'll see the, the contrast that uh, originally rain uh, was a, a good thing, uh, but eventually uh, it's used to uh, even destroy uh, his creatures. Uh, and then last point on this, in Hebrews 11, verse 7, uh, it says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Uh, in these events uh, as yet unseen, it's probably not just a gentle shower or a sun shower uh, or something like that, uh, but it's a global cataclysmic flood uh, where the windows of heaven were opened wide and it rained a torrential apocalyptic rain for 40 days and 40 nights uh, and the fountains of the great deep burst forth, uh, drowning absolutely everything that had the breath of life uh, on the earth. Uh, Those were the events unseen, uh, and that's why he had to make an ark, uh, not just for a a gentle shower that that helps cultivated plants grow. Uh, And then, so the first reason uh, is that uh, why there aren't these plants is that God had not caused it to rain on the land. But the rain is really secondary. Uh, Everything that follows has to do with uh, the creation of man, uh, and that's what uh, Moses is uh, very, very interested in. Uh, And so the second reason, uh, there was no man uh, to work uh, the ground. Uh, And the following account uh, will resolve uh, this uh, absence. Uh, Just like uh, there was darkness and uh, the creation was empty uh, and God filled it, uh, here he's going to create man as uh, his steward uh, over the garden and over uh, all of the earth. Uh, Matthews uh, mentions a, a wordplay uh, between uh, man uh, in ground. Uh, in Hebrew, uh, Adam is man and Adama uh, is ground. And so Matthew says, uh, ground often has to do with the soil, which is cultivated by human enterprise. And it is the same material substance of which both man and beast are made. Uh, Verse 5 plays on the words ground and man, indicating that the Adama, ground, needs Adam, man, to produce a robust harvest. Yet, ultimately, it is God, not man, who provides the garden, uh, verse 8, and brings life from uh, the ground, uh, verse 9. Uh, and so uh, we see that uh, the Adama, a uh, ground, needs the Adam, a uh, man, uh, to, uh, to cultivate it uh, so that it would uh, bring forth uh, abundant, abundant life and harvest. And then finally, uh, the, the last uh, part of the setting, he says, uh, verse 6, But a mist would go up from the land and would water the whole face of the ground. Uh, and this word's very rare. 
Uh, I think the only other time it's used is in Job 36, verse 27. Uh, And uh, older translations tend to have missed. Uh, Most scholars uh, in modern translations uh, seem to think that is probably more likely uh, an underwater uh, spring, uh, water that would flow uh, under and through the ground and uh, spring, uh, spring forth uh, to uh, water the, the ground, but uh, this wasn't substantial for, for all of the, uh, the plans, uh, as Matthew says. Uh, and so it's not that there was no water, uh, water at all, uh, but uh, not the, the rains that God was going to bring forth, uh, but uh, could have been a, a mist or, or maybe a little more likely a, a spring that said uh, came, came up from the, from the ground. Uh, and so uh, we now have the, the background uh, that we need to know. Uh, and in the next few verses, uh, we'll see that God uh, completes his, his work in, in this plot of land uh, by uh, forming the, the man to uh, work uh, and dwell in the garden, uh, by uh, planting a garden uh, for, for the man, and by growing every variety of tree uh, for the man to enjoy uh, except for one of them. Uh, and then, uh, finally, there will be a short interlude uh, just about the setting and then the, uh, the climactic, most important events uh, that uh, culminate from God creating the man and then placing him in the garden. So let's look at the, the formation of man in verse 7. Uh, then Yahweh God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. And so here where there is no man to work the ground, uh, we see that God creates uh, his uh, steward and gardener uh, to, uh, to work it and care for it. Uh, and God performs two actions uh, that result in uh, man uh, becoming a living creature. Uh, but uh, before looking at those, uh, I'd like to uh, briefly just point out uh, that the language that uh, Moses uses shows that actually God uh, is the first in master uh, gardener, uh, even even before the, the man. Uh, and just notice this as it builds. Uh, listen, uh, in verse 5, Uh, For Yahweh God had not caused it to rain on the land. Verse 7, Then Yahweh God formed the man of the dust from the ground. Verse 8, And Yahweh God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And uh, Verse 9, And out of the garden the Lord God made to spring up every tree. And so we see... He causes the, the rain uh, to, to water the, the garden. Uh, he forms the man uh, of the dust of the ground. Uh, he plants uh, the garden uh, in Eden. Uh, and he uh, causes all the, the trees to, uh, to spring up. Uh, and so th- this is, uh, some of this is language of, uh, of work and labor and of uh, agriculture and uh, farming. Uh, and so... Uh, God does not create man uh, to do the work that uh, that's 
he's too tired uh, or lazy uh, or unwilling to do, uh, kind of like some of the pagan gods that we read about, uh, where the lesser gods complained because their toil was just too great, digging all of the trenches, and they couldn't bear the burden, so they made man his slave labor, uh, basically to dig the, the riverbeds and trenches for them. But no, a God creates all of creation. Uh, he plants this garden uh, for the man to enjoy and for, for, his, uh, for his own uh, good. Uh, and so this shows us uh, that uh, work is uh, it's dignified, uh, even from the very beginning of creation. Uh, God worked uh, and man uh, made in him, his image and after his likeness uh, was created uh, to uh, work. Uh, and yes, uh, the, the fall and the curse uh, changed work, so it became uh, toilsome and burdensome and uh, painful and even very dangerous. And uh, now the, the soil and the world doesn't give its uh, full produce uh, that you would expect from it before the fall, uh, but still work in and of itself as it was originally made was not punitive, it was not a judgment, uh, but uh, it was created by God uh, to be a very good. Uh, it is purposeful, meaningful, and good, uh, and it's uh, something for man to enjoy the fruits of his labors, uh, to uh, even to serve others and to, to give glory to God. And uh, God is the chief worker who uh, delights to work on behalf of his people, uh, both in creation and in uh, redemption. Uh, and so uh, we've seen uh, God has now uh, f formed the man, and, and we see that, that God himself, Moses uses language uh, as uh, gardening language, agricultural language, so that God uh, is the, the first and uh, chief, chief gardener, you, you could call him. Uh, but here we see that uh, he performs two actions uh, that give uh, make man into a living creature. Uh, in the first action is that he formed the man of a dust from the ground. Uh, and here there's another uh, wordplay uh, between man and ground. Uh, the Adam, man, is formed from the Adama, ground. Uh, and so uh, he's well characterized by it. He's the Adam is formed from the Adama ground to work and cultivate the Adama. Uh, the, there's kind of a reciprocal relationship uh, between the two of them, uh, between the, the creation and man uh, who is God's steward over the land. Uh, and later, we'll see that uh, the woman, the Isha, is taken from the man, the Ish. Uh, and so uh, the, the man... Uh, the Adam is taken from the Adama, uh, and then the Isha, the woman, is taken from the man, the Ish. Uh, and Adam uh, may refer to mankind uh, or humanity in general, uh, as it did on day six. Uh, it can refer to an individual uh, man or human, uh, as it does uh, here, referring to the, the first man that God created. Uh, and it can also be used as a proper name. And the, the first man uh, in uh, Genesis 5, verse 1, is called uh, by his proper name, uh, Adam. 
then uh, we see that his uh, origin uh, is very humble. Uh, he's taken, yes, he's created in the image of God after his likeness, but he's taken uh, from uh, the dust uh, of the ground. Uh, and so God's most honored, dignified, loftiest uh, of all of his creatures that he sets over all of the earth as his uh, co-regent uh, is ultimately comes from the ground, uh, from the, the soil, uh, the, the dirt. Uh, you really can't think of anything more uh, common uh, and basic and ordinary than the ground, uh, the, the dirt. Uh, and so uh, ultimately, a man uh, is, he's merely a creature. Uh, he's, he's God's uh, create, creature, uh, and really uh, clay in the, the hands of the potter. Uh, God uh, formed him uh, as his creature and his, his uh, creation. Uh, and in uh, chapter 3 with the fall, uh, we'll see that God will tell him uh, in verse 19, uh, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, the Adama, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Uh, and so he goes back to uh, what he was taken. And he's basically made from uh, the, the same stuff, uh, the same created stuff that uh, the other beasts and uh, creatures are, are made out of. Uh, although uh, ultimately uh, he's created in the, the image and likeness of God. And the second action, and he breathed, uh, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Uh, and so a man's life uh, comes from God. Uh, God gives man life, uh, and God sustains his life, uh, and in uh, after the fall, we'll see that God takes his life uh, away. Uh, and so God is the source of man's life, breath, uh, and everything. Uh, Matthews uh, says, uh, this description continues the anthropomorphic language. Anthropomorphic just meaning uh, speaking of God in human terms, although God doesn't really have uh, arms and legs and things like that, but just speaking of um, in human terms, uh, this description continues the anthropomorphic language of the verse. Uh, the man receives his life force from the breath of the creator himself hovering over him. And Matthews quotes uh, Derek Kidner uh, saying, uh, breathed is warmly personal with the face-to-face -face intimacy of a kiss and the significance that this was giving, as well as making and self-giving at that. And Matthews goes on, uh, although both animal and human uh, life share in this gift of life, human life enjoys a unique relationship with God. The correspondence between man and his maker is expressed both by the language of image, uh, which we see on day six, and by the metaphor of a shared breath. Uh, and so, uh, again, God is the, the source of man's life. Uh, and the cost of rejecting 
uh, and rebelling uh, against the, the very source uh, of life uh, is death. And then the result uh, of the actions of forming them uh, of the dust from the earth and uh, breathing into him the breath of life uh, is, uh, and the man became a living creature. Uh, and so here uh, he's no longer uh, inanimate. Uh, he's not just uh, made of the, the materials of the, of the ground and the creation, uh, but he's a living creature. Uh, as we talked about, I think on day five, uh, he is, has active, uh, animate, conscious, passionate uh, experience, uh, being active and animate in the life, uh, in the world, uh, breathing and living uh, about. Uh, and in this way, man is similar uh, to the fish, birds, uh, beasts, and uh, other living creatures, since they all have the breath of life uh, and the life uh, in their blood. Uh, but he's, his life uh, is uniquely breathed into him by, by God, and he's created uh, in his image. So uh, now we have a man uh, to uh, work the, the ground and cultivate it. Uh, and now God is going to create a, a garden for him uh, to uh, work and dwell in. Uh, and then he'll create uh, all of the varieties of trees uh, for him. Now in verse 8, uh, And the Yahweh God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Uh, in the garden, uh, really, this is the, the place uh, for, uh, for the man to, uh, to, to work and dwell and to live in the, the presence of God and to enjoy uh, all of his good provision. Uh, in the garden is really, it's a, a cultivated uh, plot of land. Uh, and as uh, one scholar says, uh, it's not just like a tiny little plot that you might have in your backyard, uh, but maybe more like uh, an orchard or a vineyard, uh, a larger area of land uh, where uh, trees would be grown and, and cultivated and uh, plants and uh, bushes and uh, all sorts of uh, crops. Uh, and so uh, it's a much more substantial uh, sort, of, sort of garden and, and plot of land for cultivating. Uh, and Eden, uh, the region in which this garden was located, uh, is really a place of uh, delight, uh, as it's defined. It's uh, almost certainly related uh, to the same word in Hebrew, uh, Eden, uh, which means uh, delight uh, or, or joy. Uh, in the Dictionary of Biblical Languages Hebrew, uh, he says uh, a state of gladness uh, based on a view of fav favorable uh, circumstances. Uh, and so uh, this garden was uh, a garden uh, of delight in a region of delight where uh, the man would have uh, great, great joy and uh, provision uh, in the, the very presence of God. Uh, and man was to uh, care for the garden uh, with his, his wife and his offspring, but uh, also is created for his own uh, enjoyment. Uh, and we'll be uh, talking about Eden a little bit more uh, in a little bit. Uh, but 
now that God's created the garden, uh, let's look at the, the trees that are in the garden. And these will play in a very important place uh, in uh, chapter 3 with uh, the fall. So verse 9, And out of the ground the Lord God made uh, to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and so here we see all the varieties of trees uh, with uh, divided into uh, three distinct groups. Uh, the first group is every tree uh, that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Uh, the second is the tree of life uh, in the midst of the garden. And third, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and so first, let's consider uh, the every tree that is uh, pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now, first, notice, uh, Moses doesn't say that God caused to spring up one or two trees that were pleasant to the sight and good for food. Uh, he doesn't say he caused some trees to spring up that were pleasant to the sight and good for food. Uh, he doesn't even say he caused a great many of them uh, to spring up. Uh, but he says God caused to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And so of all of the trees that are pleasant to the sight and good for food, uh, the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Delight, lacked none of them. Uh, they, they had all of them uh, here. Uh, and so uh, every beautiful uh, fruit and nut-bearing tree uh, and every beautiful uh, tree was there uh, in, in the garden. Uh, and so if you even think of uh, today uh, in our own culture, uh, long after the fall, after the, the curse has come upon uh, the earth, just think of the, the tremendous variety of fruit and nut-bearing trees. And that, that's not even talking about uh, all of the, the flowers and ones that we just uh, admire for their, their beauty. Uh, but uh, there are uh, avocados and uh, pomegranates and uh, almonds and bananas and mangoes and oranges and uh, olives, cherries, figs, walnuts. Uh, and that, that's just a, a tiny, uh, minute, a paltry fraction of all of the varieties of uh, fruits and nuts that come upon uh, trees. And so uh, in the, the garden of God, this is really just a, a faint glimmer uh, of the, the beauty uh, and the, the sustenance uh, that the, the trees would give forth uh, before the fall. Uh, and Moses mentions uh, just the trees. He doesn't even mention uh, other vegetation and uh, berries and uh, things like that. Uh, and so uh, the garden lacked nothing uh, that was pleasant to the sight uh, or, or good for food. Uh, God is a, a God of beauty and goodness, and uh, he uh, therefore created a, a garden that uh, is uh, supremely beautiful uh, and, and good for the, the enjoyment of his uh, creatures. He, he provided it for, for them. Uh, and then, second, uh, we see the tree of uh, life in the midst of uh, the garden. Uh, and God apparently uses use this tree as a means uh, for sustaining life. Uh, he gave 
life uh, to the first man, as he will for the woman. But apparently he uses this uh, to sustain life and also to uh, symbolize his continued uh, provision of life. Uh, They continue to be uh, dependent upon uh, God even after he has created them. Uh, And so Matthew says, a tree of life indicates that the tree produces the source of life in the garden. Ultimately, the tree's power to convey life was due to its planter, uh, in in capital letters, (laughs) uh, God, uh, who alone grants or refuses to give of its fruit. Uh, The presence of the tree indicates that the garden enjoys life and the eating of the fruit uh, will result in continued life, a gift that only God can confer, uh, not an inherent inherent property of the fruit. Uh, And he points to uh, Genesis chapter 3 in Revelation uh, chapter 2 verse 7 where Christ himself uh, has the authority uh, to give the the tree of life uh, to uh, his people uh, and to grant life uh, to them uh, just as uh, Yahweh Elohim in the, the very a creation account. And so uh, we know uh, that f- from this that uh, if man uh, trusted God and lived in uh, humble obedience uh, and uh, submission to God and dependence upon him, uh, then he would have uh, continuous access uh, to both God's presence and his uh, His provision, uh, even the the life-sustaining provision uh, that he gave them. Uh, And then uh, God's mandate and blessing to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth uh, would uh, would be fulfilled. But we see a a third tree uh, in addition to those that were pleasant to the sight and good for food and the tree of life, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and we'll be talking about this one uh, more in a little bit. So we're, we're not going to touch on it too much here. Uh, we'll also be talking about more in the, the coming weeks because it'll play a very important role. Uh, but really, God is the perfect standard uh, of good and evil and right and wrong. And when he makes a distinction between good and evil, you shall eat and you shall not eat, Uh, for mankind uh, to reject God's commandments, uh, to reject what God declares uh, to be uh, good, uh, what God declares to be uh, evil. A man uh, seeks to become independent of God, to become God himself, uh, to become the very standard uh, of good and evil, of of truth, goodness, uh, and beauty, uh, and makes himself a God, or at least tries to, uh, and then they do whatever's right uh, in their own eyes. And so this isn't a a knowledge uh, and a wisdom uh, that they would want, uh, but as I think uh, Matthew said, and uh, as I was thinking about, uh, in Proverbs we see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not human autonomy and independence from God uh, deciding whatever we think uh, is good and evil uh, without heeding uh, the, the word of God. 
Uh, that, that's true, true wisdom, to, to fear God, to, to know God. Uh, and so, now that, that God has uh, formed the man, uh, he's planted the garden uh, for him to work and dwell in, uh, and he's uh, brought forth all of these trees uh, that he's going to provide him with, except for one. Uh, now, uh, Moses is going to take a, a slight detour uh, just to show us more of the setting around this garden. Uh, and that's going to serve two functions. Uh, one, it's going to show uh, that the garden uh, and Eden itself was surrounded by uh, fruitful, uh, watery habitation with rivers and streams and uh, life and vegetation and uh, all good things uh, for man to uh to dwell not just in the, the garden, but uh, to fill, fill the whole earth. Second, it's also going to slow down the events. Uh, now that uh, God has put everything in place, uh, it uh, slows things down to build up suspense uh, before we get to the most important events uh, when God places the man in the garden uh, and gives him commands of uh, provision and prohibition. And so now verse 10 uh, through 14. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedelium and onyx stone are there. Uh, the name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Uh, and so uh, we see that Moses uh, places the Garden of Eden uh, in a, a broader uh, geographical context uh, with rivers and places that uh, that. The, the Israelites uh, would have been uh, familiar about, uh, hearing about these uh, lands and, and rivers. Uh, and Eden is in a land from which flows a, a, a life-giving river uh, and then spreads out into four other liver, rivers uh, into all the, the surrounding land, uh, which are rich with uh, minerals and uh, precious stones uh, and uh, just everything, natural resources that a man could use uh, uh, for, for his enjoyment, for, for his purposes to take dominion. Uh, and Matthew says, uh, although the term Eden by itself does not indicate the location of the site, it is used as a geographical designation in Genesis. The account assumes that the Hebrew reader is situated in Canaan, or Israel, since uh, the location of the garden is described directionally in the east with respect to Canaan, uh, or Canaan, uh, in Hebrew it's more Canaan. Uh, it is in the general location of the Tigris and the Euphrates Valley, Valley as shown by the naming of these two rivers, uh, which are said tra to traverse uh, the garden. Uh, and now, uh, we don't know precisely where uh, everything was uh, located, uh, and especially 
uh, after the flood. It, it changed the, the t topography uh, of the, the land and uh, the regions. But generally, Moses sets it uh, within, uh, within the, the, the range of the Tigris and the Euphrates, uh, which are uh, northeast of uh, Israel. Uh, and they run from the northwest to the northeast uh, down to the, uh, the Persian Gulf and uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere in the general uh, vicinity uh, there uh, the, the Garden of, uh, of Eden uh, may have, have been. Uh, and so uh, the, the Eden itself was a, a garden uh, of delight and the, the land of delight and was surrounded by uh, fruitful uh, regions. Uh, and this brings us to the culmination of God's work. Uh, and here we'll see his charge uh, to the man and his provision. Verse 15, uh, Yahweh God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Uh, and so uh, remember there was uh, no man uh, to work the ground. Uh, now we have a man, we have a garden, uh, we have uh, trees, and so now uh, God has uh, placed him uh, in the garden uh, and his, his role as God's uh, stewarder and uh, gardener, farmer uh, over, over this land to uh, care for it. Uh, and this is uh, his uh, responsibility uh, to rule on behalf of God. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, now we'll look at God's uh, commands uh, to the man uh, in the, the lush garden. Uh, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And so here we see commands of provision and prohibition. And followed finally by the consequence for not uh, obeying uh, God's command. And this raises the question, uh, will uh, the man uh, obey uh, his creator? Uh, will he obey him concerning this prohibition? Uh, and if not, uh, will he eat of the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil, uh, which we'll see in, uh, in chapter 3. Uh, and so uh, first, uh, let's look at the command of provision. Uh, now uh, he says, uh, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Uh, in Hebrew, God uh, literally commands from every tree of the garden eating you may eat and so the the, the verb uh, of command and permission uh, is is repeated repeated uh, eating you may eat uh, and so like in english instead of uh saying once to someone eat uh, you could say eat eat uh, to to intensify it to, to give it to give it more 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 oomph. I mean you, you really you really mean it you're you're encouraging them uh, go go ahead uh, by all means uh, eat uh, or as they, they translate it uh, you may surely uh, eat uh, and so God's 
permission that he's give, giving here. Uh, it's, it's not half-hearted uh, here. Uh, he's made all of these trees uh, for his enjoyment, and he, he wants him uh, to, to partake of them and to, uh, to enjoy them uh, with, uh, with the woman he's going to, to make for him, uh, with his uh, offspring. Uh, eat, eat, uh, go ahead. This is, this is why I've, I've made them for you. Uh, and he, he made everything good uh, just, just for them. Uh, but then uh, he also says, and the, the, the emphasis is on the liberality uh, of God's uh, permission that he's giving uh, them. Uh, from every tree of the garden, you may surely eat. Uh, and so, again, it's, it's not just some uh, or, or a few uh, or uh, a multitude or uh, many, many, uh, but it's, it's every tree uh, in the garden. Uh, except for one, of course. We're, we're going get, to get to the exception. But, but every tree, all of them, all of the varieties, they're, they're all for you. Uh, go, go ahead, partake of them. Uh, and so that includes uh, the, the trees that are pleasant to the sight and good for food. Uh, it includes the, the tree of life uh, in the, the very midst of the garden that sustains life. Uh, and take special note of this. In fact, we're going to see every single word in this account is very carefully chosen. And when we see Eve talk with the serpent, every last word is very carefully and specifically chosen. Uh, and Satan is going to contradict this, and Eve will downplay it. Uh, in chapter 3, uh, verse 1, uh, the serpent said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Well, that's an innocent question, huh? Uh, is that what God said? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. No, he said, from every tree in the garden, you may surely eat. Eat, eat, go ahead. Uh, they're, they're all for you. Uh, but he, he turns it around. You, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. Uh, and the, the, the woman's going to misquote uh, him. Uh, we won't go into it, but I'll just quote her. Uh, and the woman said to the serpent, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees uh, in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She adds things. She doesn't talk about the tree of the life. It uh, the, says the tree of life was in the midst of the garden. Uh, here, she says the tree of Knowledge of good and evil is, is in the midst. So uh, it's very, uh, very important. And so God says, you may surely eat of every tree uh, of the garden. Uh, and so uh, what, what abundant provision for them. Uh, God has given them everything they could ever want or, or need uh, to fulfill his, his mandate to uh, be fruitful, uh, multiply, fill the earth, and uh, have, have dominion over it. Uh, and this brings us to his command of prohibition. Uh, he says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Uh, and so uh, of all the trees, there is only one prohibition that God makes. Only one thing he says you shall not do. And that's to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here he contrasts every tree of the knowledge the garden with the tree of the knowledge uh, of good and evil. And like those trees, which he says you may uh, surely eat, 
of this tree, he says, uh, you shall not uh, eat. Uh, and so here uh, we see that God makes distinctions uh, between good and evil, uh, just as he made uh, distinctions in the rest of creation uh, between uh, the light and the darkness, uh, the waters above and the waters below, uh, the dry land and the seas, uh, and between uh, all of the vegetation uh, and animals made each according to their kind, and uh, male and female. Uh, here, he makes uh, d moral distinctions uh, between good and evil, right and wrong, uh, you shall and you shall not. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil shows uh, that it is God's prerogative uh, to command and prohibit, uh, to bind and to loose, to declare what is good uh, and what is not good. Uh, he is the creator and sovereign over uh, all of the crea creation. Yes, he's placed man over the earth and over all the creatures, uh, but man is still under God and is to live in uh, humble submission and obedience to him. Uh, and the consequence for God's command of prohibition uh, is, uh, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Uh, in Hebrew, literally, dying you shall die. Uh, so just like uh, eating you may eat, uh, dying you shall die. Uh, and so here the consequence is intensified. Uh, God's not just making a, a light assertion, uh, but they will indeed uh, die and suffer uh, the consequence. And it might seem like a, a small thing uh, to uh, disobey God over a, a piece of fruit and to, to eat from a, a tree, uh, but this uh, could not be further uh, from the, the truth. Uh, really, uh, rebellion uh, against God is cosmic treason. Uh, it is the highest crime uh, in the entire universe. Uh, God is the very standard of perfection uh, in goodness, uh, and he is the sovereign uh, and just uh, and wise and good king over all of the universe. Uh, and so uh, to rebel against him uh, is to rebel against the very standard of righteousness. It's to rebel against the very uh, moral structure and order of uh, the entire uh, universe. Uh, and so for Adam, uh, it would be like uh, not being satisfied that God made him in his image after his likeness, uh, but and, and, and provided him uh, with everything that he could ever want or need uh, and uh, gave him honor and dignity and authority uh, and rule over all of the creation as his, uh, as his stewards. Uh, but instead of being satisfied, being made in the image of God after his likeness, uh, he and we want to uh, become God ourselves. Uh, we want to uh, remove God from his place uh, and take it ourselves. Uh, or as a uh, scholar has said, D.A. Carson, uh, we want to uh, de-God God, uh, make God not God, and make ourselves a God in his place, uh, where we determine uh, what is good and evil. We uh, become the ultimate standards uh, of righteousness. 
Uh, and so uh, we seek to uh, cast God off of his throne uh, and to sit upon it uh, ourselves. Uh, and uh, in that case, then everyone, all humans, do uh, whatever is right uh, in their own eyes uh, because they have made themselves uh, God, or at least uh, they, they think so. Uh, and uh, if God were a human king, uh, humanity uh, would uh, drag him through the streets uh, and parade him around, have him executed uh, and usurp and take his place and his throne uh, to rule and to reign uh, over uh, the universe. Uh, and so the, the consequence and penalty of uh, rejecting uh, the sovereign God's command uh, is uh, the very penalty uh, of death uh, that, that every act of treason uh, deserves. Uh, and so uh, now, uh, in this section, uh, we've seen uh, that God uh, formed the man uh, where there is no man. Uh, he uh, planted the, the garden. He caused the, the trees to, to spring uh, forth. Uh, and then uh, he placed man in the garden to work and to keep it. And uh, he granted him uh, all of the trees uh, for his use, uh, for his uh, enjoyment. Uh, but uh, he gave uh, one prohibition. Uh, and uh, the man was to uh, carry out his stewardship and humble obedience and dependence uh, upon God. Uh, and if he did, uh, he would enjoy God's uh, continuous presence, uh, provision, uh, and blessing uh, in the garden uh, and would fulfill God's, uh, God's mandate and uh, uh, God's blessing for them. Uh, however, uh, we know that a man ultimately rebelled against uh, their creator and instead of enjoying uh, God's presence uh, perfect provision and blessing uh, he was uh, cast out of God's presence out of the garden uh, he lost the not all but the fullness of God's uh, provision uh, and uh, in place of blessing brought judgment upon himself uh, and a curse uh, upon the lamb uh, and then God, however, uh, he uh, purposed that through the seed of the woman uh, that he would overcome sin and evil, uh, that he would restore uh, his blessing uh, to the, the creation uh, through uh, not Cain, but through the chosen offspring of Seth and uh, Noah and Terah and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Uh, and uh, their descendants, the Israelites uh, in Moses' time, uh, as, as Moses wrote this for, for them, uh, they were uh, east of the Jordan, looking west uh, into the land of uh, Canaan, uh, waiting to enter uh, the promised land uh, where they would go uh, to live in the presence of God, uh, to enjoy his provision in the land, uh, where uh, th they would make uh, God known in all the world, and uh, where they would, uh, if they... Uh, believed God and obeyed him, uh, they would enjoy uh, his, his blessing and uh, provision. Uh, but uh, if they rebelled, uh, then uh, they would uh, be cursed and uh, they too uh, would be uh, spit out of the land. Uh, they would be exiled. Uh, they would uh, have death uh, and suffering brought uh, upon them. 
Uh, and we know that ultimately they too, uh, by and large, rebelled because uh, their hearts weren't uh, circumcised. Uh, they weren't uh, they weren't all regenerated by uh, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the prophets looked forward to God's new covenant promises when the uh, when God's uh, anointed king uh, would come, uh, who would uh, bring in the, the, the new and uh, better covenant uh, where God would uh, replace uh, hearts of stone with hearts of flesh, uh, where he'd sprinkle clean water upon them, uh, where he'd uh, put his spirit in them and cause them uh, to walk in his statutes, uh, and where he would forgive their sins uh, and remember them no more. And they would, they would all uh, know God. They would no longer say to one another, know God, for they would all know God. They would be taught by him and by his uh, spirit. And so uh, we know that in the first century that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, came uh, and he was God's uh, anointed king, the chosen offspring of the woman, and uh, that he lived a perfect sinless life uh, so that uh, those who uh, turned from their sin and trusted in him uh, would uh, be clothed in his righteousness. Uh, on the cross, he bore their uh, sin and condemnation and the just penalty for uh, rebelling against God and uh, committing a cosmic uh, treason and not, not obeying God. Uh, so that uh, if they trusted in him, uh, they could be uh, forgiven and have their uh, sins removed. Uh, and then he was uh, buried and raised on the third day and seen by uh, many eyewitnesses. Uh, and uh, he ascended to the right hand of God and uh, awaits until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. And one day he will come again to uh, redeem his uh, people and bring his kingdom uh, to renew uh, God's blessing and God's presence and provision uh, amidst all of his people. Uh, and uh, to uh, judge his enemies, uh, those who don't turn from their sin uh, and don't trust in his finished perfect work and uh, his work alone. Uh, and he will uh, judge them uh, and uh, they will suffer the consequences of their rebellion and uh, the, the second death in the, the very lake of fire. Uh, and so uh, here uh, we... Uh, see the, the very uh, beginning of God's work and his uh, provision uh, and command for the, the first man. Uh, and then uh, next time, Lord willing, uh, we'll see his provision of the, the woman as uh, his helper to, uh, to dwell, dwell in the land and to uh, be fruitful and multiply uh, in it. And so uh, let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for these words, uh, for teaching us and instructing us from your word. I pray that uh, these truths would not fall on deaf ears, but that uh, you would teach us and instruct us by uh, your spirit uh, and that uh, you'd conform us to his likeness so that uh, we would uh, love and uh, serve and honor you and uh, we thank you that uh, although you are just and you do uh, judge sin, uh, we thank you that uh, you did not uh, just wipe out all of your creatures, but uh, through the seed of the woman, you have uh, 
begun to uh, to restore blessing through uh, through your son, uh, the one who was to come, and pray that uh, all of your promises would be uh, fulfilled completely, uh, and that uh, we would uh, one day uh, dwell with you uh, in your presence, uh, and that we would give you honor, thanks, and praise, and live in humble uh, obedience uh, and constant uh, dependence upon you. And, uh, we thank you uh, for these things and pray in the name of your Son. Amen.